We're just doing one. If you got one, you decide you have a testimony. We'll get into yours later. But go ahead, Rebecca. Give us your testimony. <laughs> um, when I first came here a few weeks ago, um, I was asking the church to pray for me because it was hard for me to find a job, and I was really looking for something just moving from Florida. And I like to thank and praise God that I do have a job, Amen. and I'll be starting this Tuesday making a lot of money with a lot of good benefits. Amen. So I just like to thank everybody and just keep me and my family in prayer that I do good on this job and keep it as long as I can keep it. <laughs> thank you. Good, good. A few things I'll note here for today as we get started. Uh, first off, our worship team, we will need you at the end of the service. So be ready. Let God deal with you as to what you will do at the end of the service because I'm not telling you what you're going to do, but you will know and you will be ready. If not, it's on you. <laughs> Secondly, we're gonna, you can take your outlines and put them away because we're going to do something a little bit different here today. And you can all sit down if you want to at this point, except for Jim. Jim, I need you to sit somewhere on the front row. You'll know, come clear here in just a little bit. But uh, some time ago, I was meditating on some things, and this dropped down on the inside of me. And, you know, many times things drop down on the inside of me, and I just meditate on them for sometimes a week and sometimes six months to get it ready and to, to let it ferment and to, to get things ready. This dropped down on me. I don't know how long ago it was. It was at least a couple of weeks, and I've been fermenting on it, just kind of stewing on it a little bit because I knew this was for us as a church, and what we needed to, to, to learn and to get into, but I didn't know it was for today. But as we're going along and certain people are running into situations that they're, they're hitting, we, we need to get into this. So I'm, I'm sharing this word from the Lord here with you for the purpose of you understanding this is not for other churches in other states and other countries. This is for you. We're going to make it tailored to a couple of, well, at least... Uh, uh, some situations, but you need to apply it to your own. Now, when you hear it, as we've been on the Stubborn or Steady series for a little bit, and kind of, you know, we're not off of, of that series at all. The things we're getting into are setting the stage for the next parts that are to come. Because too often, folks, as Christians, we become stubborn in our way of doing things, and we think that it's right, but we're not seeing the results that we need. How many of you have a situation that you are facing that you are not seeing the results that you need? Yeah, and we need to change that. Amen. Amen. Now, in order to change that, you need to let the Word of God speak into you, even though it may go against your grain, mm -hmm. even though it may challenge some of the things that you believe or that you're doing. Because if you're doing what God says, it will cause a change. So you need to listen to it. You need to let God speak to you. Don't let me speak to you. I'm just, you know, I'm just Pastor Steve. But the Word of God, that's what needs to speak to you. As I was in the shop, sanding away, and going out things, because that's when I do most of my meditating time. Because fortunately, making bunk beds, I don't need my brain a whole lot. <laughs> need my hands and everything else, but I don't need the brain a whole lot. So I can just go in there and I can, I can meditate on things and, and go over some stuff and listen to some other people. And sometimes even in listening to other people, as they get over a, a section of Scripture, something will drop down on the inside of me about something. And I want you to turn over, if you would, to Exodus chapter 16. And they journeyed from Elam 
And all the congregation of the children of Israel came to that wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in e of Egypt, in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Exodus chapter 16 occurs after the ten plagues of Israel, after the crossing of the Red Sea, after the wiping out of the army that came against them. They come to a place and they're hungry and they complain to the Lord. This is a situation, folks, that many Christians, including me and you, we have been in where we have had numerous miracles, whether they be financial, physical, spiritual, all sorts of miracles, all kinds of things have occurred in our life, but we hit an impasse with something that's not being fixed. And what do we do? We complain to the Lord. Now, we either fall into a place of complaining to the Lord or we get into the place where we are asking without expectation. That's why we spent time a few weeks ago with the man, the lame man at the gate. He was constantly asking, but was not expecting. And so Peter and John did not get him to ask for anything. They got him to expect. Asking without expectation is useless. But here's the thing. The reason that many Christians ask and don't have expectation is because they don't know what they're asking for. They don't know what they're targeting. They don't know what they're going after. They have some general vague idea maybe, but they don't know exactly what they're going for. There are many times that I've heard several of you talk about things and I have tried in whatever way I can to challenge you. What do you want God to do? Amen. What are you asking for? Because I know in my life, if I don't know what I'm asking for, it don't work out a whole lot. Brother Hagin used to go up to people where they were up at the altar and they'd be praying. And he said, what are you asking the Lord for? He said, nothing in particular. And he said, that's exactly what you're going to get. Nothing in particular. We need to know what we're asking for. Not complaining and not asking without expectation. It is a mature believer, at least a more mature believer, who will go into this situation where the, it looks bad and not complain. You go through the Word of God and you'll find many who have gone into dire situations and didn't complain. Last week we looked at Daniel. Daniel went into a bad situation. He didn't complain. Great victory came out of it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Why is God giving them manna? How many of you always thought God gave them manna to feed them? What does he say? I gave it to them to test them. Is manna a good thing? Manna <laughs> is a good thing. When you're in the wilderness and there's no food around. Now, if you ever want to do this, I'd, I would have done this if I, would, if I knew that this was the week we were going to get into this. I would have Googled this before. But if you go in and you open up a web page and you Google this, how much food would it take to feed Israel in the wilderness? There's a whole lot of places out there that have broken it down as to how many 
uh, semi-trucks or train loads of food that would have to be piped in every day to feed this multitude. That's a tough situation. They complained. Moses went to the Lord. The Lord said, I'm going to raise bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a what? A certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day, sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Fairly straightforward, isn't it? Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> they don't know it yet. Is it just, does it just happen that gnats and frogs and darkness and all the other things that went on just occurred? That the Red Sea parted? That the, it, the army that came against them got wiped out? And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for He hears your complaints against the Lord. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to do something. Find one time in the Word of God where a complaint was ever for the Lord. And then go through and find out how many times the Word of God associates complaints as against the Lord. And then think about your complaining. <laughs> it's tough to do, isn't it? Also, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against Him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. You may complain to certain people, but Moses is telling you right here, you're complaining against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it was, quails came up in the evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person. According to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent. What is it, of course, is? Manna. That's what they called it. What is it? Go out every day and pick up what is it. But here are the instructions. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person. According to the number of persons, let each man take for those who are in the tent. So if you had 10 in the tent, you would take 10 omers. If you had 15 in the tent, you would, and you just multiply it by that. Except on the Sabbath. It wasn't going to fall on the Sabbath, he said. So the day before the Sabbath, what were you to do? Double up. Take twice as much. Fairly simple. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. Some more and some less. The reason some gathered more is because they had more in the tent. The reason that some gathered less was because they had less. less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Now everything's going good so far. 
Nevertheless, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until the morning. How many? Not all. Some. And it bred worms and stank. Now, that's got to be some kind of substance. And in one night, it's breeding worms. And it turns to some kind of rancid smell. It was so bad that you didn't have to wonder who left it in. But you're supposed to get rid of it. Now, I don't know what you, where you got rid of the other stuff. Whatever you got rid of, I guess if you put it out, it just went away. But if you kept it in the house, it stank. Nevertheless, they did not heed Moses. Or actually, they did not heed the Lord. But some of them left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted away. And so it was on the sixth day. So this has been going on a number of days. Don't know how many days that this has been going on. Maybe in four days, maybe in five days, maybe it was six days. But on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until the morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather. But they found none. And they said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commitment? And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Now, they put some of this into the actual Ark of the Covenant. There are only a few things in the Ark of the Covenant, and this is one of them. They took an omer of it. If you could find the Ark of the, Ark of the Covenant, you could open it up and find out what an omer is. But what I want you to notice about this is that Israel was given some instructions. Gather so much. Use it for the day. At the end of the day, get rid of it. On the sixth day, gather twice as much. Because on the seventh day, I'm not dropping any. You won't have any. And so on the seventh day, some of them went out. Now, what we saw was that some of the people kept some overnight. Even though they were told, what? Don't do it. Don't keep it overnight. Some of them did it. How many of them did it twice? If you kept some of this in your house the one night and it stunk as bad as it did, how many of you kept it again? No, you don't have to do that twice because it smelled. It was awful. It was, it was bad. Then everybody in Israel knew you kept it. Man, you stunk. We could smell it all the way to our place. I don't know how bad that must have been in your tent, but our tent, we could smell it from our tent. And they went on about it. And so after that, they probably didn't keep it the next day. 
But I'll bet you that out of that group who kept it the one night are part of the group that went out on the seventh day, who did not keep any on the sixth day because they said, I'm not keeping this stuff in my house. I did that before and I am not doing it again. Uh Uh-uh. That was awful. That was terrible. So you have the command of God. Don't do it this way. And what did they do? They did it that way. And when I was meditating on this passage of Scripture, this is what dropped down into me. There are many Christians who obey the laws of faith the way it works for other people. There are people who obey the laws of faith the way it has worked for them in the past, the way it has worked by their experience, and their experience trumps the Word of God to them. And this is a problem. If the Word of God can be overrun by your experience you will not experience what God has promised. The reason that people did not keep it on the sixth day is because they had before and it was bad. Or they knew somebody who did. Well, I didn't do it before, but I'm not doing it this time. Because that was awful. That smelled so bad. There's no way we're going to keep that. And they obeyed what has worked, what didn't work, how it operated in somebody else's life, then they let that trump what the Word of God spoke to them. And if you will do that, you will operate at a very low level of faith until you decide to get out of that. What you have to be able to do is to absorb the Word of God and take what God has said to you through His Word, through pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, all the gifts that he's put into the body of Christ, you need to take the word of God that is spoken and believe it. And do it because this is what the word of God says. We're falling too much into the lines of these folks who, well, I'll keep this overnight. Well, well Moses said, don't, don't do it. He said, the Lord said not to do it. Yeah, but you know, we don't know if it'll fall tomorrow. How do we know that it'll fall tomorrow? Never has fallen before. So I'm going to keep some because I'm going to be hungry tomorrow and I'm going to want to eat something. And they woke up and it was bad. It was bad. And then they come to the sixth day and they're at a point of decision. Do we obey what the Word of God is which goes against what we know by experience? That's a key for this thing. What the Word of God spoke to them goes against their experience. Now, what was the purpose of manna? To test them them and see if they will obey the Word of the Lord. What did they show them? Now, not all of them did. Some of them, many of them, did what the Word of God said. But some... Did not. There are people, there are Christians today, we have seen great miracles, 
but we still don't value the Word of God to the degree that we will take what it says over our experience. Yeah, but it hasn't worked that way. Yeah, but it hasn't. Yeah, but it didn't. But it did. And we got all these buts and we got all these excuses and we got all these things going on. And that's why we're still staying in the, in the same situations that we are in. Now, that's not all of what we have for this. But I hope you can see this. I hope you meditate on this and get let the Spirit of God speak some more things to you. Because there's a whole bunch in there just on the obedience factor. You need to obey because God spoke it. Look at the people in history that did this. Abraham sacrificed, was willing to sacrifice his son because God said. There's no experience. Because God said it, he was willing to do it. Abraham was willing to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and go up to a place that he doesn't know because God said. And yet the same man, great faith and power, goes down to Egypt and said, they're going to kill me because my wife is so beautiful. And decides to lie. We may have certain areas where we are really strong in and other areas where we are weak as can be. You need to realize what areas you are weak in. And I've got I to strengthen this. I've got to become better at obeying what God says. Obeying what God says. That's what we need to do. Turn over to Second Kings chapter 7, if you would. There's a situation in which Israel has been under siege. The northern tribes of Israel have been under siege and Samaria has been surrounded by the enemy. And it's gotten to the point where that right before this we have the, the situation where the, the moms had a baby each and the one mom says to the other, let us cook your son and eat it today and then tomorrow we'll cook my son and eat him. And so they did that. They ate the one woman's son the one day and then they wanted to cook the other one the next day and the other mom hit it. <laughs> That's not fair. We cooked mine. We need to... And they brought it before the king, and the king became really angry, tore his clothes, so forth. And so Elijah steps up. And if you want to get all that, go back into chapter 6, and you can read that. But we're going to be over here in chapter 7. Then Elisha said, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord. Powerful words right there, because too often we do not hear the word of the Lord. I am amazed at how many times I can hear a particular preacher Speak the word of the Lord and people not hear it. People not hear it. They hear something completely different. How did you hear that? Because they're bent on hearing something. They're bent on, on going in a particular direction. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, could this thing be? If the Lord would make windows in heaven and it all leaked out, <laughs> could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now, here's the first thing we've got to get from these, these stories. 
We need to hear what the Lord speaks to us to do, to believe, and do it, regardless of what has worked or what has not worked, regardless of what has happened to other people, regardless of what has happened to us. We must do what the Word of God says. Oh, it's so hard. I know it is. Because how often does God stage His Word when He speaks to us and it's something that is particularly challenging? And some, not everybody is able to do what the Word of the Lord is. Remember the rich young ruler. Go, sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And the rich young ruler, he was willing to do all sorts of stuff, but oh man, that, that pushed him a little. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. And he went away sad. And he didn't do it. Now, he's got 12 people following him. Some of them were rich people. He did not tell them to sell all that they had and come follow him. James, Peter, John, they left what they had, but they still had it. They didn't sell it. When they got done with Jesus, they went back on the boats. Peter said to the rest of them, he says, well, I don't know about you, but I'm going fishing. So he went back on his boats and his nets and he picked up where he left off. He didn't sell it. But the Lord didn't ask him to sell it. It wasn't for him to obey that. It was for the rich young ruler to obey that. God's going to speak some things to you. And you need to obey the things that he speaks to you. What is he speaking to you to do? Sometimes they will seem unrelated. I know I've told you this story before, but I'll tell you it again because you need to hear it for, for this. But Brother Hagin would share this one with us. At uh, three different times, three different places that he was at, he was the minister on the road, and he would be going around, and he was not doing real well financially. And there were times that, you know, three times, God told him to take what he had in his pocket, which was everything he had, and sew it into somebody. One time he had $20 in his pocket, that was his gas money to get from here to the next meeting. And God said, I need you to give that to this brother over here. But Lord, <laughs> I don't have anything else to... How am I going to get to the next meeting? But he did it. And there were two other occasions and he did the same thing. And then there was one meeting that he came to and he said as he was praying and getting ready for the meeting, he saw in his spirit. On the side, the left side of the stage, there were six people who were wheeled in in wheelchairs. And he saw himself going over and laying hands on all six of them and five of them got up and walked. Five out of the six got up and walked. Don't ask me why it wasn't six out of six. I just know it was five out of six. And so he got into the meeting and sure enough, he saw it exactly as he saw it that afternoon. He saw the six people wheeled in and put over there on the left side of the stage. And so just as he saw, he went in and he preached what he was supposed to preach and he went over there and he laid hands on those six people and five of them got up and walked out. And the Lord dealt with them after the meeting and said, if you, not had, if you had not obeyed me on those three occasions... I could not have done that through you now. Now, what's the relationship? <laughs> I don't know, but God knew what it was and God was getting them ready. I need you to be obedient here. Israel is going to come to a place of testing when they sent in the 12 spies and they decide to believe the 10. If they would have obeyed God and done what He said, they would have passed that test then. But they didn't. And when they came to it, they were unprepared and they lost and they died in the wilderness. But that wasn't God's purpose. wasn't God's plan. 
they died in the wilderness because they didn't go through the test and do what they were supposed to do. We think of test as, you know, a multiple, multiple choice thing, going down there, get all the answers right. That's not it. Testing the Word of God is more like how you test metal, how you refine it, how you get the impurities out. He says, I'm going to get some impurities out of you by you listening here. But if you don't get those, if you don't stay in the fire and get those impurities out, they're going to hinder you. They're going to cause you a problem down the road. You've got to listen. He tells this man, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now, you can go on through here and read the rest of the story if you want to. How many have never read this story here in First King or Second Kings chapter 7? If you've never read it, go on home. Don't do it now. But go on home and read the rest of the story because it's a good story. You should know it. But what I want you to see is this. If you cannot see what you are asking God to do, you cannot get it. You have to be able to see it. Too often Christians, especially spirit-filled, faith-believing Christians, are speaking things out of their mouth and stating that they believe and that they will receive things that they cannot see. You have got to be able to see it in order to believe it. This man could not believe what the prophet said. This prophet came on down. Elisha spoke to him. And Elisha said, this time tomorrow. Thus says the Lord, he says. This time tomorrow. He says, he opens up this way. Hear the word of the Lord. He's not saying this is my word. He's saying this is the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. That's the word of the Lord. It doesn't say anything in the word of the Lord about how that's going to happen. It doesn't say that heaven's windows are going to be opened up. It doesn't say that... It says nothing. It just says, this is how it's going to be. And the man said, that can't be. Even if this were to happen, that cannot be. If you cannot see the thing that you need to receive as coming to you, you won't get it. You need to see it. You need to see it. And then you need to obey the word of the Lord that he gives you. You need to do what the word says. And if any of you want to come up to me afterwards and say, but I've done it. You don't have to even come up to me. I'll tell you right now. Your eyes have been blinded. No, they haven't. I know. I've been through the same thing myself. I've had to slap myself upside the head a number of times to get myself out of it. If you cannot see what the Lord is saying is yours, is for you, will come to you. If you cannot see it, there is blindness on you. And you must get rid of the blindness in order to see it, in order to receive it. Now, we're not talking about seeing it with physical eyes because this man never saw with his physical eyes that this thing would come about. But he says, you will see it, but you shall not eat of it. He never saw with his physical eyes the, the uh, thing come about. 
but he was able to hear how it was coming about. And in that, it created a stampede and he got stampeded. So he knew, oh, wow, this thing came true and then died. <laughs> but he never saw the, the actual evidence of that coming in. This is why it's so important that we feed our faith. We feed our faith on what the Word of God has to say, not what other people have to tell us. If we are feeding our faith on something financial, how many of y'all know that your bank account has something to say about it? Your job has something to say about it. Whatever, however it is that your business goes, it all has something to say and input to give to us. Now, I have a choice of letting that stuff coming in and clouding my vision for what we can see or I can say no. As Brother Naz was sharing. They didn't see how physically how this would come about. But God, we're believing that this can come about. We're believing that this can go on. Then a way was made. And they followed it out and the the thing happened. Glory to God, good testimony. But then you get in the area of financials. You know, if you watch the news, dear Lord, I hope none of you are doing that anymore. Please turn them off. There are not many that have anything good to say. They're surely not God-believing people. If you listen to them, they're going to paint a, a very dark picture and you are not going to see what God is saying. But we need to see it. We need to see what God is saying. Amen? Amen. When God has spoken to us, Amen. hey, <laughs> this is the way. This is what I'm going to do. This time tomorrow, this time tomorrow, lots of food. It's going to be cheap. This is what's coming. When God says to me, this is what is available to you. This is what's coming. I need to decide to see it. I need to decide it. Father God, I, I believe that. I am going to see that. I am going to see that amen, that amen. is coming yes, to yes, me. Yes, amen. Yes. Hallelujah. That's what we got to do. This is coming. I got to see it. I must see it first. If I allow the vision to be clouded, I don't see it. And my faith is vague. I am just believing for something to happen. I need something to change. How many have ever said that about that? I need something to change. <laughs> I don't know what I need, but I need something to change because they can't keep on going like this. Just let something change. You know what? Something could change and it may not be good. It may be changing for the bad because things can change for the bad. Wasn't that the call for the election a few years ago? A change? Everybody liking that change now? (laughs) I don't know about that. See, I studied the guy out. I knew what kind of change he was bringing in. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. And I will stand up and vote against it this, this time as much as I did the other. I, I'm, not, I'm not just open for change. I want good change. I want change to something that's beneficial. So in order for there to be a change to something beneficial, I've got to know what the change is. And so God has said, here's your situation. Here's your situation. Here's the change. 
Oh, yeah, I can hook up with that. Except then comes all the past experience, all the past failure, all the people that have tried, all the words of people that are being going around in your head, all the things, well, I've tried this and it hasn't. You have got to see the change before it gets to you. Abraham had to see himself as what? A father of many nations when he had no kids. Right? That's what he had to see. He had to get to that point where he saw himself as the father of many nations when he had no kids. What is God saying to you about your situation? Cover financial. We know that physical. How many of you are going through some physical? Many of you are going through some physical things. Keep hanging around. And doctors will come along. Don't get mad at doctors. Doctors are just coming along. They are just telling you what they see. That's their job. They just tell you what they see. It's not their job to find out in faith what you're believing for. It's not their job to feed your faith. Don't go to the doctor and expect, well, they're going to feed my faith. They're going to tell me that it... No, don't, don't do that. Don't set yourself that way because that's not their role. That's not what they're going to do. And God did not call doctors to build up your faith. What did he call doctors to do? They're to be a doctor. What's supposed to build up your faith is the Word of God. And hearing the Word of God, that's what builds up your faith. Doctors will not build up your faith. It doesn't mean that they're evil. Brother Luke was a doctor. Wrote some good faith stuff. But there's some doctors who don't write good faith stuff. And they come against your faith. That's all right. Just smile. <laughs> Just smile. Glory to God. That's all you know. But I know something different. And I can see something different. I can see something different. The man who was a... This is a man the king leaned on. This is one of the people. This is the kind of people he put around him. He's an unbelieving king. And he put these kind of people around him. Well, that won't happen. How many of y'all have people in your life? Well, that won't happen. That won't happen. Mm-mm. I mean, even if the windows of heaven are opened up, that won't happen. That's not helping us. I need to be able to see how this is going to go on. Now, here's another example for you. I don't think we even have to go there. The woman with the issue of blood. What did she do? If I but touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. She said this over and over. If someone of a relative said, you're just one of those pie-in-the-sky dreams again, I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. And other people would come and tell her, because she'd been going through this for how many years? It's a long, long time. It's a lot of years. And every time that somebody came to her and said something different, what's she saying? Because the Word of God tells us in the Greek, it tells us this, this uh, uh, text in there. She kept saying. Didn't say it one time. She kept saying. Every time somebody would say something different, no, this is what I see. This is what, did anybody else see it? Nobody else saw it, but she saw it. I see that if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. And so when she touched the hem of his garment, what happened? Instantly, the healing power of God went into her body. 
and she said, it's the Word of God says, and she knew within herself she was healed. I don't know exactly what that means. But we get to heaven, we can find out from her. We'll ask her about it. <laughs> but she knew something changed in her body. And Jesus stopped. Healing power was pulled out of me. Healing power was pulled. Who did that? We've gone through the story before. She tried to stay in the back and wasn't me. No, <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I just standing here. And Jesus kept saying, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. Well, you know, disciples finally get up after a few times of this. Look at all the people. Of course somebody touched you. No, 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 no. I don't mean that. I mean, somebody touched me and healing power went out. Now, who did it? He kept going on so much that the disciples were embarrassed. But finally, he said, all right, we're, I'm not getting away with this. <laughs> I may as well just come clean. It was me. <laughs> I did it. Jesus said, oh, that's good. Good job. I wanted to use you as an example. And just as soon as they were having this conversation, the man or the people came about Jairus' daughter and said, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter is... And Jesus said immediately to him, Do not fear, only believe. There's a whole lot of people who want to come to us and bring us reports to tell us just to quit and give up. And it produces fear on the inside of us. And Jesus says, Do not fear, only believe. Because he, was, he knew it's imperative that you don't lose sight of what you saw when you came to me. It was so imperative, he did not even let a word come out of Jairus' mouth. He said immediately. And when the word Greek says immediately, folks, it means immediately. It means as soon as the words left the mouth of the messenger, Jesus turned to him and said, Don't be afraid. Only believe. Just stay seeing this thing coming about. You must stay in that place. If Jesus needed him to stay in a place where he still saw it, and this is the Son of God operating by powers and restrictions of men, of course, but by the Spirit of God on him, he was inspired, he was empowered to do these things. What, what right do we have to try and stand up before him and say, well, you just need to overcome. You need to overcome my unbelief. No. You need to see it. Jesus needs you to see it. In Capernaum, Jesus came to Capernaum and the Word of God says He could do there all kinds of mighty works because of their unbelief. No, no. no it didn't say that? No. He could do there some mighty works. No. He could do no, no mighty works. Why? <laughs> because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. It is imperative that we see what we desire to receive. For however reason it is that it has gone out from you, you need to get it back. You can get it back in minutes. You can also get it back in months and years. But it don't have to be. But what's imperative is that you get it back. You must see what it is that you want God to do. You must see what it is that you want God to deliver. I have got to see it. Not with my physical eyes, but my spiritual eyes. 
I have got to, in my spirit, envision. I got to see that thing coming about. I got to see. I can do this thing. This thing will come about. There's a whole lot of things we're praying about. Oh, Father God, bless this. Oh, Father God, change this. Oh, Father God, make this go good. But on the inside, we're thinking there's no way that thing's changing. Look how bad it is. Man, it's awful. There's no money there. There's no this there. There's nothing there. There's nothing here. Oh, man, there's nothing. What do you see? No matter what God puts in your hands, you can see something. What can you see? If I can't see anything, then get into the Word and develop your sight. See that thing. We're too often too quick to get prayer. Sometimes we're too late for it too, but (laughs) too long for it. But we're too quick sometimes to get prayer for a thing. Develop the vision of the thing. What do you see? The woman with the issue of blood didn't just walk on by and say, Oh, I mean, I'll just touch Jesus and see what happens. No, she had been developing. She saw, she heard people say, Oh, we were just, we just touched him when we got healed. Oh, well then if I just sneak up behind him and touch the hem of his garment, I, I know I can be healed. She developed that picture. No one else had done it just the way that she did it. No one else had snuck up behind when the crowd had been pressing around. Nobody else did that, but she saw, I can do it. Because she saw it, Jesus said to her, Woman, because of your faith, it's your faith, it's your faith. We got to get our faith to that place because with your faith, you can move mountains, but you got to have faith for it. You got to see it. If you're going to say that this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, you got to see that mountain being removed and be cast into the sea. You got to see it. We've been talking about things that are impossible, taking on the things that are impossible the last couple of weeks. You have got to see the impossible possible. You got to see it. As we told you last week, no one who took on changing the impossible still saw it as impossible. Before the Wright brothers developed their airplane, they saw flight as possible. So did some other people. Before Jefferson made his inventions, he saw them as possible. Edison, before he made his inventions, he saw them as possible. Da Vinci, the inventions he came up, he saw them as possible. Saw these things as possible. Our forefathers saw independence as possible before anyone else. They saw it as possible. You've got to see what you desire, what you want, as possible. And then you need to say, all right, what do I need to do to make that possible? What do I need to do? And there are times that God spoke things for people to do. And sometimes he said, just stand back and watch me work. But there's other times he said, no, this is what you do. When they came to the Red Sea, he was basically, stand back and watch me and Moses do this thing. And Moses, stretch out your hand. When they came to the Jordan, it wasn't so. They got more involved. When they came to Jericho, they were more involved. Can you envision walls coming down because you walk around them? But they did. You have got to see the impossible 
as possible. So the first thing we need to do is meditate in the Word of God. What am I am that I am facing is possible. What is possible? In my situation, what can happen? All right, now I can see what can happen. Now, how do we get it there? What is it that I need to do? And you receive the Word. The Word of God is going to speak to you. The Word of God is going to say this. Do this. Go this way. You have got to envision that. And when you envision it, God is going to speak these things. Now, here's the word of the Lord. And when he gives you the word of the Lord, what, what happens? I need to do it. I need to do what he says to do. But I tell you what, I hear a lot of faith Christians, a lot of faith-talking Christians, who when God has spoken to them, sometimes it's the word directly to them, sometimes it's just in the word of God itself. You show them, here's what the word of God says, here's what it says to do. Man, I don't think I need to do that. Dear Lord, then it won't happen. Then it won't happen. You need to see it. You need to call out that path. And you need to go, go after it. When we talk about confession, there's a lot of folks who try and cover up unbelief by positive confession. And that, is, that won't change a single thing in your life. You can have all the unbelief in the world covered up with all kinds of positive confessions and nothing will change in your situation. Not a doggone thing. It's going to stay exactly the same way as it was. But but look at what I'm confessing. I don't care. Look at what you're believing. All you got to do is talk with people for a little while and you can find out what they believe. The Word of God tells us that we got to believe it in our heart and say it with our mouth. But if you don't believe it with your heart first, you can say all you want to with your mouth. It ain't going to change. I've got to first off see it. Then I've got to say, this is the path, this is the way, and I can speak it out. Abraham did what about being the father of many nations? Spoke it out. I am the father of many nations. God has blessed me. And through all the nations in this world, God is going to bless them through me. He began to speak this out. He began to say this to people. Well, how many kids you got? None. Not a single one. How are you going to be a father of many nations? I don't know, but that's what God called me to do. I'm going to be a father of many nations. I am going to have kids. And those kids are going to have lots of kids. And I'm going to have a whole nation. And God's going to... He just kept going on, finally got to the place where he got to this thing. He talked about it. He spoke it. He spoke what he believed, not what he saw physically. He saw in the spiritual eyes, this is out there. And then he began to speak it. And anytime anybody would come along and tell somebody something different, what would they do? These people who are believing this way? Uh-uh-uh. No, no, no. It's not going to be that way. Elisha saw what the deliverance of God was. And when someone spoke out, he says, all right, you're not going to see it. When somebody spoke out against it, they're not going to see it. It's not going to come near you. What do you see happening to you? Are you just wandering around waiting for something good to happen? Something to change your situation because you know it needs to be changed. Just waiting for something to change or what? No, go, go into your prayer closet and say, Father God, you need to show me what is it that needs to change? Amen. What Amen. is it that needs to go on? Yes. How does this thing need to go? Yes. And where can it go? And you get into the Word of God and you read the Word of God and you study the Word of God for the purpose of building that vision, building up. All right, this is what it can be. This is what it can be. But I failed at it before. I don't care how many times you've failed at it before does not matter how many failures you've had in the past. What matters is that you get it right and have the success. 
God didn't care how many times you failed at it before. He's still bringing it along. He's still encouraging you, helping you out. Come on, come on. Get over here. Get over here this time. See it. See it. Joseph had a call. You're going to be a ruler. I see it. I see it. Man, I have no idea how you're going to do that, but I see it. I see it. And then he went down. And he still fostered that belief and built up that belief and he still saw it and he went down further. And he still maintained positive. He still went out there and did the things he was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, in one day, the situation changed. But he kept going. He kept going. What is your situation that you need to change? Don't be quick to receive prayer about it. But build up in yourself, what is it that I want God to do? Not, well, I'll just take anything. I'll just take anything he's got because right now, man, I am desperate. I'll just take anything. I need a job. I'll just take any job, man. I'll work at McDonald's. I don't care. Now, what is it that you want him to do? What kind of job are you looking for? Physical healing? Something going on in your physical? What can you see him doing? Don't ask, don't ask Brother George, Sister whoever. Don't, don't ask them what they know. What do you see going on? What do you see that can happen? Well, I believe this and this. I think that can happen. I can see that. Glory to God. You got something to work with. You got something to work with. Take what you have. I can, Father God, I can see this. All right. God's probably something that says, man, I could do a whole lot better than that. But all right, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's what you can believe. That's, that's, a, that's a starting place. We can work there. What can you believe? And then what's your path to it? Well, I'm going to, I believe that if I just stand on the name of Jesus, this thing will change. There's your path. I believe if I have hands laid on me. I believe when you can go through the word of God and find out all kinds of ways. But they had ways. They knew this is, this is how it can come about. What is it that you need to change? Many of you raise your hand. You got things you got to change. I need you to be honest with me right now. For all you folks that are out there, you got a situation that you want to change. Can you right now, right now, see the change? If you cannot see the change, please do not try and, and, and be spiritual and put, oh, I can see it. You can see it down the road. Oh, wow, I'm going I'm to dig into the Word of God. I'm going to let the Spirit of God deal with me. I'm going to see this thing. I'm going to envision it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see myself this way. I'm going to see myself as receiving this. I'm going to see this as opening up for me. This is what I see. And I'm going to go around. Everybody, somebody talk to me. How's it go? I can see this. I do not have to deny how things are. I need to declare what shall be. Stop denying how things are. Declare how they shall be. Abraham never had to go around and lie. Well, I got 14 kids. He never had to go around and lie about it. Oh, I got none. You don't have to deny how you are. What you need to do is declare what you will be. Who will you be? What will you be? What will you have? What has God promised you? Where are you going? Declare those things. That's where I'm going. That's what I can believe. That's where I'm going. That's what I can believe in. There's a change coming. It's a good change. You meditate on the Word of God. And you get that change. And you keep that in your sights. 
You focus on that change. My change is... You should be able to say what your change is. This is my change. I have this kind of job. I have this kind of position. I have this kind of situation. I have this kind of health thing going away, coming, whatever it might be. Declare it. Declare it. You're not denying what's going on. I'm not ignoring what's going on. But I am declaring where I'm going. And how you are now will not hinder where you are going. Because how you are now is not related to where you're going. The power of God is taking you there. The power of God is going to do it. It's not within yourself. It's in the power of God. Can you believe it? You need to build yourself up on that thing. And when God gives you some tests, He's refining you. He's refining you. He says, all right, you want to get to that place? I'm going to refine you a little bit. Ow. Refining does not mean going through all types of terrible things so that you are broken. That's not refining. That's not testing. God is not into breaking his kids. He's into building them up. That's what God likes to do. He likes to build you up. He likes to encourage you. He doesn't want to break you. He wants to encourage you. But he says, you got some stuff in you and you need to get that out because that stuff comes up. At the moment, you need to make that decision. At the moment, you need to make that move. And it's hindering you. I need to get that out of you. So here's a test. Now, here it is. The mountain's going to fall. Here's the instructions. If you can do this, you'll get through the test. You'll get through the thing that's going down the road. You'll be fine. And some of it will seem unrelated. It doesn't matter. Listen to this. Listen to the Word of God. If God says, I need you to do this, and it's hard doesn't mean if it's hard for someone else. It means it's hard for you. <laughs> Get yourself to that place where you can obey. Get yourself to that. Father God, I'm going to be in that, that spot. I am going to be in that place of believing. Because God has something he's going to take you through. And the whole time that you're going through that, don't ever succumb to your situation. Well, I'll just be this way the rest of my life. Well, I'll just be broken, poor, and no job, and rest of my life. That's the way it's going to be. I guess this is just my cross to bear. <laughs> you all know what it, about the crosses. We talked about them too, not too long ago. Too many people are carrying on crosses that fell on them instead of picking one up. <laughs> God never told you to carry on a cross that fell on you. He said, take it up. <laughs> anyway, God has a way to prepare you and get you ready. He's got a way for it. He's got a way to take you through that test. The purpose of manna was to test Israel and get them ready. They failed. And they didn't go in. But they could have passed. They just would have decided, stop complaining, stop fussing, stop declaring how things are all the time and get into declaring, this is where it's going to be. This is where I don't ever have to deny how things are. Never have to deny how things are. What I need to do is declare where I'm going. Declare where you're going. Doesn't matter how things are. Jesus never denied Lazarus was dead. He said, We're going to raise him up. He turned to the disciples and says, Look, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> but we're going to go and raise him. He's declaring where he's going. You don't have to deny what you're in, you don't have to deny what's around you. You don't have to deny your limitations. 
But you've got to see past them and begin to speak to the thing. I am, I am not limited by this. I'm going beyond it. I am going beyond it. I am going beyond it. Would you all stand up with me? Jim, the reason I had you sit up here in the front is you need, it is imperative. You need to develop the vision of where you're going. You need to see a way to get out. The last couple of times we talked about it, I've been trying to, I, I keep going back to God. I've been saying this thing, God, how do I say this to him to get him to go right? I left you this morning and I went on back and I said, Father God, there's got to be a way. What is it that we need to say? Because we're all been in these situations or are in these situations. Worship team, that's good. You, you're ready. Go for it. Get up there. You don't see a way out. And that's part of your problem. You don't see a way out. When you don't see a way out, you can't see the path to it. Yeah. I, I'm not telling me it's right. This is what God spoke to me about it. You don't see a way out, but there, there is a path and there is a way out. And God wants you to see it. When you see the way out and you see the path, hands will be laid on you or you will speak or whatever it is that you see as the path and you will see a change. You will see a change. But you've got to see it. You've got to meditate. You've got a whole lot of... And I'm not betting your situation. I'm not saying I'd be any better at this than you are. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I can see that it's been it's it's clouded you. It's like a fog that's around you. And everything you see, you see in relation to this fog. And that fog needs to go. And you need to see what is out there. And you see what's out there, you're gonna see the path. You're gonna see this is how I'm gonna get there. This is what I'm gonna do. This is this is it. This is how I'm gonna get there. When you are ready, today, next week, a month from now, I don't care when it is. When you are ready, I want you to come in here. I want you to declare to this church, to everyone here, this is where I'm going. This is what I see, and this is how I'm getting there. And you got it not because you thought of a way, but because down in your spirit you received it. I want you to receive this down in your spirit. I want you to see it with the spiritual eyes, and I want you to receive it down in your spirit. It's going to drop in you. And you oh, this is the way. This is the way I can get there. Yeah, I can get there this way. Uh-huh. And just as these folks in 2 Kings chapter 7 went from an absolutely dire situation and in one day completely changed. Totally different. No one could even have imagined that would have happened. It'll be that way for you. You ready? Ready for that challenge? All right. Folks that are here, if you are at a spot this morning and you are ready, I've been believing for a change. I've been believing. I can see this change. I can see this change. This is how I'm going to get there. This is how it's going to... And you want prayer this morning? That's part of the path that you see. I want you to just come on out here and come on up here to the front. We're going to pray right now. If you are going to get yourself ready for that and you come in here next week and you say, I got myself ready, I don't want you to forget. I want you to get in here on Sunday and I want you to tell somebody, I want prayer. <laughs> and we're going to do that. When you get victory... Because you went another way, maybe then it didn't revolve prayer. And you got victory. I want you to come on into this church and say, I got a testimony. I got the victory in this thing. I saw it. And you need to tell some people what's going on. So if you want prayer, if you are ready right now for prayer to change your situation, then I want you to come on up here now. If you're going to go home, meditate on this thing, that's all fine. That's all good. Go on home, meditate it. But meditate it for a change. I am going to see something down the road that is good. I am believing for a change that is positive, that is good. I can see my way out of this. And here is the way. Glory to God, it's going to change for you. Praise God. Worship team, go.